Hey, this is Derek Wooten. I'm lead pastor of AP Church here in Cincinnati, Ohio, where our desire is to make disciples and make a difference. Thank you so much for joining us through our podcast. We pray this message speaks life and encouragement into you and what God is doing in your life. Hope you enjoy it. Church, let's do this. Let's stand to our feet one more time today. Man, it's so good to see you. Melissa and I have enjoyed. Some of you don't know, I took the entire month off of July off. I did not preach one time. Uh, So I've got about an 85-minute sermon today to make up for all that time. I'm just kidding. But no, listen, I, I want to just say this. I'm so grateful. Uh, our church has just been so blessed with so many incredible men and women of God who lead so well. And we're so grateful that uh, I could, you know, take time and, and breathe and rest and we could take time, we vacation. And I just want to take a minute and let the church know I love you guys so much. Melissa and I, my my family, we're so thankful for who you are and how we get to partner with you and do life together. We love you guys, we honor you guys. It is the highest privilege to be able to call this place home and do life with you. And I want you to know how much we love and honor you, but I'm so excited to get into the word today. And really, uh, you know, you guys know I get up really early on Sunday mornings, but I got up even earlier today because the Lord woke me up. And I spent about an hour just praying in the spirit and intercession for today. And then I got a text from one of my spiritual fathers and he said, Derek, he said, I woke up early to pray for you. And he said, the Lord said, expect great things. So I think the Lord is trying to speak to us today. And listen, I don't know what your week has been like. I don't know if you came in faith-filled or frustrated, but I'm gonna tell you what Jesus said a lot in the Gospels. To him who has an ear, let him hear. I want us to pray today that we have our ears open to hear what the Spirit of God is saying because he is speaking very clearly to his church in this season, and it's for a reason. There are things that he is calling us to step into in this season. Listen, they're greater than they've ever been. There are things that he's calling us to do that are more than we've ever done. And listen, we must stay in step with his spirit as we move forward. But that requires us saying, Lord, when you speak, let us hear and receive what you are saying in Jesus' name. So can you pray with me today as we get started? Father, I love you today. God, I stand before God, an amazing body. God, that God, even though they're not all here today, Father, I love them all. I'm so thankful for them. God, those that are joining online today, I'm thankful, God, that God, they're watching today. And we gather together in this moment, Lord, as the body of Christ, as the family of God, the army of God in the earth, Lord, that we would continue to hear, God, and receive what you are saying and apply it to our lives, that we may continue, God, to advance your kingdom everywhere that we go. And Lord, I pray that today, God, regardless, God, of what it's been like the last several days or this week, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that there is such, God, just, uh, God, ground ready to receive your word today. God, may every heart be good ground. God, may every heart be good ground today, Lord, as the, the seed of your word. May it, God, take root and bear fruit in and through our lives. God, and may we be reminded, God, that you have more for us. You're not done. God, you're calling us to more and greater in this season. And, Lord, we love you. We thank you today, God, for what you're about to speak. And, God, how we will take and receive and apply in our lives. Lord, it's in Jesus' name we pray together. Come on, if you're ready, somebody shout amen. 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 Come on, be seated, be seated, be seated. Man, it's so good uh, to, to, to be back with you. Man, last month we were so blessed. Uh, just different voices in the house. Man, didn't, didn't uh, Jeff Rinkoff do an amazing job last week, man, just teaching. He did so great. 
Uh, you know, my dad actually came the first Sunday, then uh, one of our elders, Andrew McKean, then Pastor Brad, and then Jeff last week, they all did phenomenal. And they encouraged and equipped the body con to continue to move forward together. And uh, I'm excited because for the next three weeks, we're going to do a little mini-series um, that I believe is prophetic, and it's also uh, a very practical series. Uh, and I've entitled it this because this is what I've heard in my spirit for about a week and a half. This this subject, a time to triumph. A time to triumph. Somebody shout triumph. Triumph very means this. It means victory. Means success. It means victory in every part of our lives to triumph. And it's not just a small victory. It's a overwhelming victory. How many of you guys know that you have been created to triumph? Now let's talk about this. Let's set the stage just for a minute as we get into the word today. If you have been alive and present on this earth the last year and a half, you know that we are living in a very unique time. Now if you've been hiding under a rock in your basement, you don't know how unique the last year and a half has been. But if you've been alive and present and you've seen what's happening, you know we're in a very unique time. We are walking through a very peculiar yet powerful season in the earth. Now, if you don't know, let me remind you today, how many of you guys know that God operates in seasons? God operates and moves in seasons. And the Bible tells us for everything, there is a season. And it was about this time last year that I heard the Holy Spirit just really begin to speak to me that we as this church, but really as the body of Christ at large, were stepping into a Kairos season, a God-appointed and ordained time for us, for this house, for you and me as believers together, that I felt like we were stepping into it. But I want to let you in on something today. We're not stepping into it. We're in it now. We're in a very God-ordained and appointed season where God is speaking very clearly to the saints, to the people of God in the earth about what he wants to do in this next season in and through our lives. If you've got expectations, somebody say amen. And I believe that this season that I'm talking about, this time for the body of Christ and, and really individual believers, I believe this is a season to triumph. This is a time for you, and I, for you and me to walk in triumph, to walk in consistent victory. Because we have seen together, the last 18 months, church, have brought such a shaking to the earth. The last 18 months have literally, we have watched everything that could be shaken was shaken. Everything that could be shaken has been shaking. And I believe that this shaking has brought displacement in the world. And while it's brought displacement to the world, I believe that the saints have been caused to awaken and to arise. And I believe that God is trying to properly align. Some might say align. Do you know that God likes to get things in alignment? It's hard for God to move within his people and his body if things aren't aligned. I believe in this last season, while the world has been displaced, God has been putting his people, his body, into alignment with their heavenly identity and their earthly assignment. Is anybody thankful of who you know who you are in Jesus today? Anybody thankful that you're the sons and daughters of God, that you're more than conquerors, that you're overcomers by the blood of Jesus and the word of your testimony? We've been learning a lot about identity in this season, that we're not just the family of God, but we're the army of God, that we're a family, but we're also warriors together to advance the kingdom of God in the earth. If you believe that, say amen. 
but we've also found while we're settling our heavenly identity, we also understand that we have an earthly assignment. You're not here by accident. God didn't let you be in this time period on accident, but he has us here on purpose that we may be the people of God, that we host the glory and the presence of God in ways that we see that last day harvest come into the body of Christ. We have an assignment to make disciples. Somebody say, make disciples and make a difference. Make disciples and make a difference. An assignment for each of us in this time together. And I believe in this, this time that I feel the Lord is speaking, a time to triumph. Church, I believe it's our time to walk in triumph in every part of our lives. Somebody say, it's my time. I believe it's your time to walk in victory in every part of your life. If you receive that, somebody say amen. It's your time to walk in victory. Listen, to walk in triumph in your hearts, in your marriage, in your family, in your purpose, in the places of societal influence that God has called you to. I believe it's, he's called this church to walk in triumph for our city, to get in triumph for this region and our nation together. I believe it's the church's time that we say, you know what? We're not going to be beat down. We're not going to be cast down. We're not going to live with a defeated mentality. But we're going to rise up in the power of the Holy Ghost and we're going to walk in victory and power and purpose and in passion for the kingdom of God. It's time to triumph. Come on, hey, somebody look to your neighbor and say it's time to triumph. It's time to triumph. I hear the Lord speaking so clearly. It's our time. In fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 2 says, for God says indeed the right time is now. He says, indeed, the right time is now. Isaiah 46, verse 13. The Lord showed me this verse last year as we were getting ready to step into this season, but it hasn't changed. For, for God said, for I am ready to set things right, not in the distant future, but right now. Not in the distant future, but right now. Somebody say right now. Listen, right now is our time to triumph. Right now is our time as the people of God to triumph. Now, if you know the word of God like I know the word of God, then you'll know what it says in 2 Corinthians 2 verse 14. Because here's what it says. Let me, let me go here with me for a minute. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 14, it says, Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. Now thanks be to God. Now notice it says, who always leads us in triumph in Christ. How many of you guys know Jesus has already triumphed? I need you to understand, in this season, we're going to be talking about it more. We are called to war in this season as the body of Christ. Listen, if you're looking for a time of peace, this ain't it. You got, you got the, peace of the peace of God that passes all understanding. But this is a time for the church to be warring in the world. Now listen, we are not fighting for victory. Jesus has already won the victory. Satan can't stop you from being redeemed. He can't stop that. Here's what we're fighting for. We're fighting for the fullness of the covenant promises of God in the earth. We're fighting to fulfill the purpose and destiny that God has assigned to us. That's what Satan is trying to stop. Now, here's the thing. He knows he'll never win, but he's also never going to stop fighting. Okay? 
And so that's what Satan is doing. And so, listen, the Bible says very clearly in 2 Corinthians, it says that Jesus, all, he, God's always leading us in triumph. And here's what I've learned, though. I do believe that God is always trying to lead us into triumph. But the truth is, is even though he's always leading, we're not always following. Come on now. We're, 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 he's always leading us, but if we're honest, maybe it's just me. I don't know. If we're honest, we're not always following as well as God is leading. And so what I've found is that because even though God is always trying to lead us in triumph, that, that we're not always following, though, in that place of triumph. And let's get real for a minute. Since Jesus ascended back to heaven to, to sit at the right hand of the Father, the church should have always, really since Jesus ascended, listen to me, the church should have always been known as the church triumphant. That should have been our reputation. But because you and I both know better, that has not always been the church's reputation in the earth. That has not always been our reputation. In fact, there have been many seasons that instead of being marked with triumph, the church has been marked by turmoil. The church has been marked by trouble. In fact, there are seasons, unfortunately, we'd have to admit, the church has not been marked by triumph. It's been marked by timidity. That we've been afraid to be who God's designed us to be. That we've been bold enough to be who God has called us to be. But church, I have heard the Lord that in this season, now here's what I said earlier at the beginning of this, to those who have ears, let them hear. I believe for those who are listening and will receive what God is saying, that this is the season the body of Christ and the believer in Christ will walk in triumph in Jesus' name. This is the season for you and I. This is a time to triumph. And what's interesting is the word, the, the word of God tells us, Proverbs 28, 12, says this. It says, it declares that when the righteous triumph, there is great glory. How many of you guys want to see the glory of God like never before in the earth? Man, I want to see the glory of God like never before, not just in this house, but in every church that preaches Jesus. And I want to see the kingdom of God expand together like we've never experienced before. But the Bible says that out, the glory of God is like that when the righteous triumph. And I believe that God is speaking because he desires for his people to triumph in this season. That if we want the glory of God to be great as we triumph, as we go as the family and army of God, listen, that means we must be committed to moving in purpose, in passion, and in power. If you believe that, somebody say amen. We've got to move in purpose and passion and power to walk in those things. If we want the glory of God to permeate the earth in this season, we must be ready to say, Lord, if you're leading us in triumph, we're following in triumph. If you're leading us in triumph, we're following in triumph. But this is where I get to go deep for the next little bit. Because I know something about this season. And it's this, is that this season, church, of walking in triumph... It does not eliminate the moments where we still have to walk through temptation. Even though you can walk in triumph, there are times even in walking in triumph that you have to walk through temptation. And you have to walk through trials. And you have to walk through tragedy. Even in a season of triumph, a season of triumph does not eliminate moments where you have to walk through temptation and trials and tragedies. 
And Jesus let us in on that secret in John chapter 16, verse 33, where he said this. He said, here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. But then he encouraged us. But he said, but take heart because I have overcome the world. What does that mean? That means in spite of trials and temptations and tragedies, we can still walk in triumph. In spite of those things. And how many of you guys know that Satan's going to do everything he can to stop what God is doing. He's going to do everything he can to stop and slow down a season of triumph for the church. But this is where, church, we have to hear what God is saying, and we can't just hear it, but we have to receive it and respond to it. That even though we may have to walk through temptation, even though we have to walk through trial and tragedy, we can and we still will walk in triumph in Jesus' name. Why, how, Pastor, how is that even possible? Because Jesus said, yeah, you're going to have those moments, but I have overcome the world. And so if Jesus has overcome, how many of you guys know that we can overcome? If Jesus can overcome, that's why the Bible tells us we are overcomers by the blood of Jesus and the word of our testimony. Why? Because those very tests and trials, that's what stands as the platform for your testimony. The messes in life that you go through, that's what creates the messages of God's faithfulness and love and mercy and power in your life. So we see that in the middle of trials and temptation and sometimes even tragedies, we still can and will walk in triumph. But that means that we've got to remember. We've got to remember what the Holy Spirit revealed to us through the Apostle Paul. And he was very clear. And this is part one. The next two weeks, listen, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, the next two weeks are going to be deeper than this week. Because next week I've got to talk about if we want to triumph, we must be in covenant relationship with God. And the next week, I'm really going to go deep. We're going to talk about the fear of the Lord. God has been very clear to me. This is what you get for letting me take four weeks off. I heard the Lord clearly. So if you don't like it, you take it up with him. <laughs> but I believe for us to understand if we're going to walk in triumph in this season, we have got to remember and embrace what the Holy Spirit spoke to the Apostle Paul and through the Apostle Paul in the book of Philippians. And it's this, is that in the middle of trial, in the middle of temptation, in the middle of tragedy, we cannot stress, we must press. We, somebody say, I cannot stress, I must press. Listen, I hope that gets in your heart and you leave here today and say, I cannot stress, I must press. When you get in traffic this week, I cannot stress, I must press. When your kids tell you no in front of somebody, I cannot stress, I will press. I'm convinced that in this season we need to remember this biblical principle of what what, what Holy Spirit spoke to Paul. Listen, and he was not writing to unbelievers but believers. He was writing to the believers in Philippi, he said, he said, we cannot stress, we must press. So I believe this season of triumph, it, it cannot be marked by the church stressing. It must be marked by the church pressing. It cannot be marked by the church stressing, but by the church pressing. Meaning that you have to press on and press through. You have to press on, somebody say press on, and press through. So let me go ahead and help you today. You are too blessed to be stressed. Come on, somebody. 
Say that. I'm too blessed to be stressed. You're too blessed to be stressed. Let me tell you why. Here's why. Because if you're blessed, listen, you don't have time to stress because you got to press. If you are blessed, you've been blessed to press. You've been blessed to press. The reality is this, we need to hear it. All of us need to have some press in us in this season. Not just some people, but if you're a part of the family of God, if you're a part of the kingdom of God, you need to understand you need some press in you in this season. Let me show you. Philippians 3 verses 12 through 14. Here's what the apostle Paul said to the believers in Philippi. He said, not that I have already attained or am already perfected. Look at your neighbor and say, you're not perfect. Tell them. And if you enjoyed that too much, we're going to pray for you humility after we get done. <laughs> he said, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press, somebody say I press. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now let me ask this question. Have you ever had to press through in your life? Have you ever had to press on from something? See, some of you say that you've had to press on or press through something, and, and the, the reality is, is when I tell you that pressing is a blessing, you're like, no, it's not. I'm like, oh, you're, you're blessed to press. You're like, no, I'm not. It feels like a burden or a battle, Pastor, but it doesn't feel like a blessing when I have to press through something or press on from something. I'll never forget when I was in college. Most of you guys know I played football. You know, it's funny. People still ask me if I play football. I'm like, no, I just eat a lot. That's what I tell them now. Because <laughs> they're like, oh, you used to play football. I'm like, no, I just eat a bunch. That's all it is. When I was a sophomore in college, we were playing the University of South Carolina, which was a big deal because we were a smaller school. We were at South Carolina, and we were beating them. It was big time. No, no, seriously. There was this little pocket of Wofford College fans, about 1,000 a, a of them in a stadium of 80,000. The whole crowd was silent except for that one little section. They were going wild. What's funny is we were the Wofford Terriers. So here's this. Imagine this. We're this little tiny dog just nipping at their ankles. <laughs> and, and we were beating South Carolina in their house in the third quarter. This is big. We were in the second half. This was serious stuff. And I'll never forget, we're, we're playing this game, and I'm having a really good game. I'm doing well. And, man, one, one play in the third quarter, I go and I make my block, and the running back gets tackled into me, and they roll up on my leg. Now, if you don't know anything about football, that's one of the worst things that can happen to an offensive lineman when someone rolls up on you from behind and you don't know it's about to happen. You can't brace yourself. And so they rolled up on my left leg, and if you saw the film, I started beating the ground, and I was hollering because it hurt really, really bad. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest with you, my ankle has never been the same since I heard it that game. But I, I sprained my Achilles tendon, I sprained my perineal tendon that runs all the way up my leg, and I, that, I tried to press through the pain in that game, and I was hobbling around, and I was struggling, I was in a terrible pain. Every time I felt like I would move and twist, I felt like my leg was just like gonna break off. It was horrible. 
was horrible. The whole season I played hurt after that. I got cortisone shot after cortisone shot. I got Toradol shot. You name it, I got it all. It didn't work. It hurt. But I tried to play through the game. And there, at one point about, I don't know, maybe seven or eight plays in after I got hurt, you see me hobbling around the field and I'm trying to block. And somebody sees me and they just come and they blindside me. Now, blindside means when you get hit and you didn't see it coming. You ever felt like you're getting blindsided before? Listen to me. I got hit so hard I lost the taste in my mouth. You know what I'm saying? It hurt. I went down quick. And I got up and I, and I, I tried to keep playing. It was a horrible experience. Listen, in that moment, pressing through did not feel like a blessing. It felt like a burden. It felt like a battle. It was very challenging. But I want to tell you something. Some of you have very similar stories of not just physical pain, but also emotional trials and emotional situations where you've tried to press through and press on. And what you find is it doesn't feel like a blessing that you get to press. It feels like a very frustrating burden that you're having to carry. And here's what I've learned. Listen to me. Here's what I've learned about football that's very similar to life. Life and football are both contact sports. And sometimes life will blindside you. And sometimes there are things in life that will knock you down and almost knock you out. And you're trying to press through. You're trying to press on. And it is so challenging. And I've met, a lot, I've met and talked with a lot of people in my time in ministry. And they say having to press on or press through. It's really, Pastor, it feels like a negative thing. But I came to tell you today in the kingdom of God, pressing on and pressing through is not really negative at all. In the kingdom of God, those things are not really negative. In fact, it's different. In your relationship with Jesus, pressing isn't an obligation, it's an opportunity. Pressing on and pressing through in the middle of trial and temptation and tragedy, it isn't an obligation, it is an opportunity. Why? Because you have actually been blessed to press. You have been blessed. Somebody say, I've been blessed to press. Why the word press means this, to continue in one's action. That's what the word press means. Or the phrase press on means to start or continue doing something in a determined way, often despite problems. To press on means to continue. To continue doing something in a determined way, often despite problems. And so pressing, pressing through something, pressing on actually can be difficult. But I came to remind you today, if you don't know it, that the very times that things seem the most difficult, usually on your greatest difficulties on the other side lies the destiny that God has for you. Some of the greatest challenges in your life, Satan has put them there hoping that you don't press through. Hoping that you don't press on because he knows if you keep pressing, you will step into your purpose at a greater level. He knows that if you keep doing those things, on the other side of that difficulty is the destiny that God has for your life. And here's Paul. Paul tells believers here in Philippians 3 to press. He says, press on with faith and press toward the triumph and the purpose that God has for your life. Here's what he's telling the believers. And I feel the Holy Spirit saying the same thing to you today. Listen, I know it hadn't been easy. I know it's been challenging. I've been in this world 18 months like you have these last 18 months. I know it's been hard. But in this season, don't you dare stop pressing. 
Because God doesn't have you in this season to just keep going through test and trial and tragedy. God says, I've called you to triumph, to walk in victory, to do greater than you've ever done, to be used by God to make disciples and make a difference for the kingdom. If you believe that, somebody say amen. Paul says this to the believers in Philippi. And you got to have context on this to understand something. He was telling the Philippian believers this. Because guess what they were facing? They were facing trials and persecution. For Listen, they were being persecuted for living right and godly. They were fighting a religious spirit, facing temptation, struggling mentally on how to understand how to triumph in the face of tribulation. And Paul, with his apostolic wisdom, is trying to get them to understand, listen, guys, I know it's not easy, but you have been blessed to press. I know it's, I know it's hard to understand because you're in the middle of it right now, but you've been blessed to press. And you know what? I bet you some of them were like, okay, Paul, appreciate your wisdom, but you're not here, big boy. You're not facing what I'm facing. You're not here dealing with the things. Anybody, you ever, anybody ever given you advice and you're like, thanks, but I want to slap you? Anybody been there? Okay, all right. <laughs> Don't slap them, by the way, please. Don't do it. Don't do it. But you need to know something. As Paul is telling the Philippian believers this, you know where Paul is? Paul's in Rome. Paul's always dreamed of going to Rome because he wants to go preach the gospel. But what's funny is Paul is writing them, encouraging them to say, hey, keep pressing on. Keep pressing forward to everything God has for you. You would think as much as Paul had done for the kingdom, Paul would be writing this in a palace. But Paul's writing it from a prison. Paul's not, Paul's not living the good life writing this epistle to the believers in Philippi. He's in a prison cell. And he's not just a ho-hum prisoner. He is chained to a Roman guard and soldier every second of every day. Think about it. Every meal, chained. Every bathroom break, chained. Every time you're trying to sleep or just sit or anything, he is chained up to a Roman guard in a dungeon. Why? Was he bad? No. He was thrown in prison and had to stay there because he was preaching Jesus. He was doing everything he was supposed to do. And he found himself in a place that he did not necessarily expect to be in. And what does he do? Does he say, you know what? It's hard. Give up. No. He said, trust me when I tell you, sometimes it's hard. But keep pressing. Sometimes the trials will feel overwhelming. But press on. Sometimes the tragedies will take your breath away. But don't you dare quit. Don't you stop pressing on and pressing toward everything God has for you. Because the truth is, is that Paul, if anybody had the right to quit, it was Paul. Because all he had done at this point was plant 60 to 80 churches and write a third of the New Testament. And do all the things that God had called him to do. All because he said yes to Jesus. And he finds himself still sitting in prison. But the reality is, is rather than giving up, he says, keep going. Why? Because he was trying to tell the Philippians, if you could understand and see what God is using you to accomplish. Keep going. 
Can I tell you in this season, this is not the season for you to pout. I'll stay up here now, okay? This is not the season for you to have a pity party. This is not the season for you to hit the pause button on the purpose that God has called you to. I know it's hard. I know it's challenging. I know that the trials and the tests and the temptations and the tragedies are real. But if you will understand that this is your time to triumph, this is your season to walk in victory in every part of your life, simply if you will make up your mind, I will press on. I will press through all of these things to live in the fullness of the very purpose and destiny that God has for my life. If you believe that, somebody say amen. Man, do you receive this word today? I'm telling you, listen. It is, it is so practical, but it is so prophetic of what we are stepping into, church. It is so prophetic of the assignment that God is calling us to step into as not just this church, but as the church at large. But quickly, I know what time it is. I got, I got three really quick points I want to show you that I believe are secrets to pressing on. Three really quick things that I believe that, 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 that Paul shared here that I believe we need to see today, church, so we can understand now is not the time. Despite our problems or our pain or our pressure or persecution, for us to have a pity party. For us to hit pause on the purpose that God has for our lives. But for us to press on. Somebody say, I'm going to press on. I'm going to press on. Let me give you three things really quick. Three things really quick. First one is this. If you're going to press on, you're going to have to press in. Now here's the thing. Let me, let me keep going with that one. If you're going to press on from something, you're going to have to press into someone. Let me keep going. Let me go a little further. If you want to press on correctly, you're going to have to press into Jesus consistently. If you want to press on correctly, you have to press into Jesus consistently. John chapter 8, there's a story of a woman who's had a disease, a blood issue for years. Have you ever read that story? John chapter 8, I, uh, let, me, let me read a little bit of it to you very quickly. There's this woman who has this, this issue of blood. Twelve years she's been bleeding. And so the, here's what the Bible says in Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, verses 43 through 48. It says, even though she had spent all that she had on doctors, healers, she was still suffering. And then notice what the text says. Uh, right there, uh, let's see, I don't even know what verse that is. But it says this, it says, pressing in through the crowd, she came up behind Jesus and touched the tassel, tassel of his prayer shawl. And as soon as she touched Jesus, her bleeding stopped and she was healed. As soon as she touched Jesus, the bleeding stopped and she was healed. Now notice something, the Bible says very clearly, she had a disease she had spent everything trying to find a solution. Notice what happened. She got to a place that she could not press on any longer. But then the Bible says she did something that saved her life. When she could no longer press on, she pressed in to Jesus. Let me tell you something. 
There are times you feel like you've gotten to a place that you cannot press on anymore. And that is the time that you've got to press into Jesus. Because listen, he's the only one that can fix your issue. He's the only one that can do the work in your life that a doctor can't do, that other people can't do, that money and possessions can't do, that accolades and achievements can't do. And hear me, here's the thing. If you're going to press on consistently and correctly, you've got to press into Jesus continuously. She waited too long. If she'd only known 12 years earlier that if she wanted to press on, she could press into Jesus, she would have done it. Well, guess what? You and I in this room, we know right now if we want to press on, we've got to press into Jesus. Because I'm going to tell you, if you try to keep pressing on through all of these things in life without pressing into Jesus, you start pressing the wrong way. You start pressing with pressure. You start pressing with pessimism. And your perspective gets nasty. And all of a sudden you say, God's not going to hear my prayer. God's not going to do this. Nobody cares. God's not listening. But listen, if you will commit yourself to pressing into Jesus, he will do in your life what you could not do for yourself. If you believe that, somebody say amen. If you're going to press on in this season, if you're going to triumph the way that God has designed you to triumph, listen to me, church. You've got to press into Jesus. Why? Because when you press into Jesus, he will empower you to press on. Why? Because you will find that he will equip you with his peace, his promises, and his presence. You say, well, pastor, how do I press into Jesus? Because I can't touch him the way that she did. Here's how you press into Jesus. You press into Jesus with your praise and with your worship. You press into Jesus with time and intimacy and prayer. You press into Jesus by getting into the word and reading the eternal truth of who he is and what he said about you. If you're going to press on in this season of triumph, You've got to say, I will commit myself to consistently pressing in to Jesus. That's number one. Number two, this one's wild. As you press towards purpose, purpose is being pressed out of you. As you press towards purpose, purpose is being pressed out of you. If you'll notice in Philippians chapter 3, Paul said, I press towards the mark for the goal of, for the prize of the upward call of Christ Jesus. Paul was pressing not just towards his eternal reward, but he was pressing toward the fullness of his purpose and heavenly assignment in the earth. He was not just saying, I'm gonna keep pressing till I get to heaven. He wanted to fulfill what God had called him to accomplish in the earth. And so because of that, he understood something. As I'm pressing, I'm gonna keep pressing towards my purpose and my destiny. Here's what God does. Because you need to understand something about this thing of this principle of pressing. The reality is, is that when you press, you are actually positioning yourself for God to let his purpose flow through you into the earth. Think about that for a minute. When you press on and press through, you are positioning yourself for God to press his purpose through your life to advance the kingdom. How many of you guys know you can't do it without the Lord? You can't do it without his mercy, without his grace, without his help. So understand, when you press, you are positioning yourself for God to press his purpose through you to advance his kingdom in the earth. Now understand, as we talk about this, this is so critical for us. 
as we press towards purpose. You see Paul do this. When he pressed, all of a sudden it positioned him. But we have to understand, Satan is doing all he can for you to stop pressing. All of it. He's doing everything he can for you to stop pressing into the purpose that God has for you. But there's something interesting. John 15 Jesus tells his followers, he said, I'm the vine and you're the branches. He said, I'm the vine and my father is the vine dresser or the farmer. God, so God the father is the farmer. Now, Melissa and I went to Israel a few years ago and we went to the Garden of Gethsemane. And that day we met this English lady and she reminded me of Angela Lansbury. You know who Angela Lansbury is? Murder, she wrote. I'm showing my age. Okay. The sweetest lady. And she began to, and here's what's really cool is there was a wine press in the Garden of Gethsemane. And she walked us through the process about, about the wine press and what would happen. And she would talk about how in those days when people would use wine presses, they would bring their grapes to the wine press. Now stay with me. She said for the vintner to make wine, uh, she, they, they would have to come to the wine press to put the grapes in the wine press. And then they would get on the grapes and begin to walk on them. How many of you guys don't want to be grapes? <laughs> But I hate to tell you, we're the grapes. <laughs> Jesus is the vine, we're the branches. That's where the fruit is, and, Je and, and the Father is the farmer. It said for the vintner to, to, the, the to make wine, he would have to walk on the grapes, and as he would press the grapes or they would press the grapes, the skin of the grape would bust, and the grape would begin to mash up, and the juice would start to run and collect at the bottom of the wine press. Now, here's what's interesting. Here's what I want us to see really quick. The key to, the key to this was the, the venter had to press hard, to press as hard as they, they could to get as much grape juice as possible to make the wine. But here's the thing. The venter had to learn if you press too hard, you crush the seed within the grape that takes the juice and then makes the juice bitter. If the venter would press too hard, what was so valuable in the juice to make the wine became bitter. But here's the thing. If you didn't press hard enough, then you left valuable juice in the grapes. So there was this rhythm of understanding how hard to press, but only when the grapes were pressed correctly could they really produce the purpose that they were there for. Only when the grapes were pressed correctly can you see how this is what the Father has to do to us. See, the reality is this, is why I said a second ago, as you're pressing for purpose, it's positioning you for God to press that purpose out of you. Because see, here's the thing. A lot of people, when they hear, I've got to press through a trial, I've got to press on from a tragedy, I've got to press through tears and tests and temptations, if we're real honest, we don't look at that pressing like a blessing. We look at it like punishment. God, what I do? Why do I deserve this? Why am I having to walk through this? I, I didn't pray for this. I didn't ask for this. I, did, I didn't want you to take that person or destroy that relationship. Or God, I didn't, I didn't think this would happen or these circumstances or this situation would take place. And the enemy tries to come in and convince you that all this pressing is because you're being punished. But the truth is, is that pressing is not punishment, but it's positioning for the purpose that God designed for you even before you were born. Which means you have to trust the Lord. You ready? That just like the venter, he's not gonna step too hard. 
He's not going to press too hard. You say, Lord, I want your purpose to flow through me in the earth. I want the purpose that you have for me to come to pass. But you have to trust him as the farmer and as the father to say, Lord, you're not going to press me too hard. But you're going to press me just enough as I'm pressing into you so purpose can flow out of me. Let me encourage you today. If you're in a season where you've been pressing, trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. Because if you'll trust him, listen, God is not a God who presses so hard what should be sweet becomes bitter. But in fact, God is the opposite. God is the God who can take what's bitter and make it sweet. As you're pressing for purpose, God is going to press purpose through you if you will keep pressing and say, Lord, thank you for the blessing of pressing because it's positioned me to walk in the purpose that you have for my life. If you believe that, somebody say amen. Come on.